Hi everyone and welcome to episode 206 of Mighty White's podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by Casey. Now then. How's things, mate? Yeah, not bad. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. It's um it's been weird this week because despite the fact that Leeds have dropped to 19th, I feel better about Leeds than I did last week. Um Yeah, it's a, it's a very frustrating situation of, of getting a good point against a decent team and dropping down. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we may as well get straight into it because I think you've been very harsh on Brighton then by calling them a decent team. I think they're a really good team. I know that it was a it was a bit weird, our match preview for this, because we did basically spend like 10 minutes talking about how great Brighton are. Um, and it did sort of and, come and they to... Were. It did sort of come to pass. But that game, was, and I mean, obviously we drew 2-2, it's a great result, but it's one of weird... It's, been a long time since I've seen someone like that, Ellen Road. It was a very strange match to watch. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw Leeds play like that. And, I mean, it was the right thing to do, but just seeing Leeds push... We're pushing six men up on their goal kicks, which sounds incredibly aggressive. But you're pushing okay, six men don't up... Don't move. Yeah, pushing six men up to stand off by a yard. It was a it was a very odd situation to be in, but it it can't, it did work. Like we were just letting Jason Steele have the ball and just letting him stand on it, and then he'd pass it to Adam Webster and he'd stand on it. But the thing I liked was that if they did like slightly misplace a pass, or there was a loose touch, we would then go. Or if they tried to go into Caicedo or Gross, one of Rockle or Adams would try and get in. I thought that it worked really well as a system, although there was um I what's what I reckon's a fair number. I reckon 70% of the Leeds crowd didn't like it very much. Yeah, the uh the reaction to it was was not the most positive. And I think it, a lot of that is down to seeing even under Marsh how high we and how much we press teams. So the fact that you're watching as Jason Steele does the people's eyebrow and basically says, just bring it. And you've got to get, no, no. It was one step from, do you remember when, uh, I think it was when he, yeah, it was, it was when he was at Rangers, when Andre Kanchelski stood on the ball and went like that. <laughs> like, I, Jason Steele was one step from doing that, I think. Yeah, it, it, it was very good to see how disciplined it was. And I thought it worked in as much as it slowed the game down in a game where I know they're away from home, but Brighton absolutely did not need to you know, be wasting time or anything like that. But, but you know, they seemed happy to, happy to go at a, a leisurely pace until they could play a ball over the top that Matoba would run onto because he's three yards away from Luke Ayling already. Now, to quote my dad, uh, let him hold it for 90 fucking minutes, is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd realised quite early that a point was a good result. Goalkeeper but, passes but- to a centre. Passes to centre. Back to goalkeeper. Goalkeeper holds it. Holds it. That <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't think that that is definitely the simplest cut tears. Uh, the it was the thing that I really liked about it. One, I actually think that we won the ball high up the pitch, probably as much as we normally would, just in a different way. And two, I know like. Because of who we've had, well, just I don't want to say it, but because of Bielsa, I have become very much a no, you play your way, you do what you want to do, <laughs> fuck the opposition. However, it was nice to see a coach go, no, just 
do this instead. And but, just I mean it's it's funny obviously you say about play your way, but we are talking about Marcelo Bielsa, who very much adapted certainly the system for the opposition. It was never a case of no, this is how we line up and they have to deal with it. Yeah. Um but no, when you're at this stage of the season and the position we are in the league, we can't really afford to to go, no, this is how we are going to play this game and you have to play around us. Like, no, they're a really good team. Fuck it. We really need to organise ourselves here. Yeah. And I mean, let's right. Had we... Right. It's not... This isn't so much... A, this isn't really a dig at Marsh. It's just that if we would have played Marsh ball in this game, if we would... If they'd have pushed up like that and we'd have pressed people up and gone after a man for man, really pressing, they would have just passed it round us and we'd have got beat 6-0 in this game. I have very little doubt about that. It would have been, you know, in the same way that like Solskjaer's scum team was like kryptonite for Bielsa. I think that this would have been the one for Marsh. Pascal Pascal Gross would have got four from centre mid. (laughs) (laughs) But the, um, to be honest, Pascal Gross will come on to him because it was his run that sort of broke us apart from the first goal. This was kind of the bad side of not pressing, but it wasn't the edge of the box stuff. It was Adam Webster brings it out onto halfway and no one gets tight. Evan Ferguson drops in and sort of pulls Verbal up a bit with him. And Pascal Gross turns and runs him behind into the right channel. Furpo's already got his run and he's turning off Mark Locker. Locker actually reacts at a decent amount of time. It's just that he's not, he, he can't run. <laughs> his reaction time isn't even that bad but Pascal Gross just disappears into distance Pascal Gross des- decides to be a dick waits for that locker to catch up so he can beat him again <laughs> proper five-a-side stuff this yeah uh, good cross to the far post Mitoma beats Ailing, but Ailing's going backwards he's never going to be able to out-jump Mitoma who's coming forwards onto it it's just physics uh, heads it back across. Alexis McAllister is completely unmarked, three yards out, heads it in. I didn't notice this at the time in the ground, but I think uh, Max Verber's decision-making isn't great here. I, I I appreciate that he has made some fantastic goal-line clearances, but I really would have backed him to win that header had yeah, he actually they... competed for it. There's Thank a point because it's not actually his man, but when Mitoma heads the ball, he is like the he ends up the nearest man, and he's what three yard away. If he just runs across to McAllister, he probably wins that ball. But instead, he backs, he jumps back onto the line, and gives him all the time in the world. And yeah, <laughs> very frustrating. But at the same time, there's probably like ah, well, that's it is they, also that's what they can do. Yeah, it is also a split second decision. Like we we're seeing that back on a replay. As it when I was watching it live in the ground, I didn't realise that he had a chance to get there. Hmm. But so like it's not his fault as such, but I do think if he goes for it, we'll probably get away with it. Um and this is when the crowd was pretty much ready to turn. One, it was the the lack of pressing there, but there was a at one nil. It was like two minutes, and they just passed the ball about, and we didn't get near them. I think it was, the LAs were ringing out very early. Yeah, it was that Leeds Southampton game where it was seven. 
Mm. You know, in the seven, it was that basically. They were just passing it around us and we couldn't get near them. And we were just dropped into a shape, which was sensible. But when you're in a dogfight and you had four years of pressing football, it is hard to look at. Uh, luckily, around me, there was some anger. It wasn't too bad, but there was chance of what the fuck is going on from the South Stand. Um, Two and a half you know, games in for Gracia. Which, you know, wasn't the dumbest thing they chanted all day, but I digress. Mm. Um, the, the crowd is like, really, you can tell it's really pissed off. And then sometimes the old stuff works. Jack Harrison presses, wins the ball. Somehow it doesn't go out of play. It looked the entire time like it was going out and it just kept, just stayed on the line. Uh, for once uh, in the last six weeks, Jack Harrison doesn't overcomplicate it. Just pass first time into Bamford. Bamford, who's got no confidence at all, suddenly decides to do a really good first touch that completely takes Casado out of the game. Patrick Bamford, who's been refusing to shoot with his right foot for five weeks, just puts his right foot for it from 25 yards out. Deflection in off the bar. One one. Yeah, like you, like you say, it just he's <laughs> like good. Sorry, that's the one he went right footed with. Yeah, that's the chance he went for it. <laughs> All right, then. but yeah, like like you say, just sometimes it's nice to hear a band play the hits, and Jack Harrison wins it wide. Brilliant. We love to see it. Simple pass, nothing, not an over hit cross that goes straight out of play. And like you said, Bamford's first touch was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Just, just set himself so perfectly. Because uh, I mean, he is he is one v three at the time he takes that touch. Mm. But Caicedo's just on one side of him, and if he doesn't get that touch right, he's not getting anywhere. But him doing it, it didn't. It took out the nearest to the East stand defender and Caicedo, so there's only one. It's it's a really good touch. And a crashing finish off the crossbar. Yeah. And it, you see, it says a lot, doesn't it? Even when there's a massive deflection, just how much better is that goal because it went in off the bar? Especially when it goes bar and then into, like, ground into the roof of the net. Love it. Yeah. Really, um, nice, really nice. I'm very happy for, for him as well. Um, rare, rarely have I seen a player look so happy after scoring a goal. And not exuberant like celebration like when you score in the last minute or something he mm. just looked so happy <laughs> I say it's, you know I suppose with him because he's got plenty of goals behind him it's not so bad I, there was part of me thinking I wonder if it's going to be a Billy Painter moment of yeah. with that problem yeah. and then for the once we got back to 1-1 then back at the End of the half, Leeds, it, it was a bit more 50-50 in terms of chances. Uh, Bamford had a good one when he got put through by Aronson, went for near post. The angle was a little bit tight. I think if he'd have gone far post, it'd have just been straight steel. Uh, hit the side netting. Uh, but then uh, there was a Brighton break where uh, ball gets played in down the left and Mitoma goes from Ailing. And by the time Mitoma's got to the edge of the box, Ailing is like 15 yards behind him. Which isn't even having a go at Luke Ayling. He's up against a really good winger. and There's, there's always a thing in foot. It doesn't matter how good you are. If someone's faster than you and there's 20 yards to run into, there's not a great deal you can do about it. And he just got done. Uh, but good pullback to McAllister, who was completely unmarked round about the penalty spot. 
and just luckily for us, skews it wide because it had goal absolutely written all over it. This the benefit of playing Brighton is that yeah. you, know, you know they will do this at times. Yeah, I mean they're not as bad as they were at one point because there was there was that was that like it was last season on it where they had that ridiculous thing where statistically they were like third in the league and they were twelfth or thirteenth by, by XG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a they do have a they you do think. All you need is a striker, and it looks like Evan Ferguson might be that guy. So, mm. um, but yeah, um, Leeds going at half time. Everyone's pretty content, to be honest. Um, the annoying thing is in a game like this, where you know you're second best, you can't afford to give up cheap, something cheap. Let them play it round you. And their second goal was really fucking cheap. <clears throat> I mean, Adams is against McAllister and he makes a weak tackle, only bettered by Somerville coming in and making an even weaker one right next to him. Out to Matoma, good cross. Verba tries his best to score an own goal, but Melier, I'll say Melier saves it, but it really just hits Melier. Going across his line and Jack Harrison, just swing your right foot at it and clear it. For some reason, he goes with his left. And I am still saying skews it into his own net. But the... Uh, they have since, like, on Tuesday, they've took it off him and given it to Solly March. Um, this was such a shit goal to give away. It's so annoying, isn't it, like you say, that... Oh, sorry, I'm just watching it now. Yeah. And it's it's kind of it's very similar to the Alan Smith own goal at Wolves. I just... it's But the opposite, Harrison's yeah. playing on. I know, outside of the boot. Bang! No. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him. And at that point, you're looking, just thinking, he, uh, you know, he cannot do anything right at the moment. Yeah, this bless sums him. up your last as few much weeks as, as much as he tries. Um, yeah. And again, you just said, "Come on, just, just, just be hit with your right foot." Just like, because let's be right. If so he you... if he goes to clear that with his right foot. And like scuffs it into the ground. It's better than what he did. He's, I think at worst he's probably going to slice it up in the air. Um, to, to use a technical term, just twat the bastard thing. Yeah. Now it was a. It was such a soft goal to give away, and I must admit, once that went in, I thought, "Nah, there's no for us here." And I really thought there was no for us a few minutes later when Danny Welbeck just rinsed. I think it was Verbo, wasn't it? That he did, even though it was on that side, so you'd think it'd be cock. I think it was Verba that had ended up across there. Goes clean through, sets his body shape up, nice little curl it into the back corner, and just puts it three yard over. Because mm. Brighton will be Brighton. Uh, but I thought that that was a definite goal. Um, the but luckily, as we've seen, we now know full well that Jack Harrison will not use his right foot and full on refuses to. So we take a short corner to Jack Harrison, quick step over, curl it into the far corner, absolute fucking wonder goal. <laughs> Brilliant. A short corner that worked. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of us scoring from a short corner. I feel Brighton really needs to do their homework here and just think, if we put them under any pressure, they will do nothing with this corner. Yeah. They will, famously, they will famously do nothing with short corners. Well, um, in fairness... Brighton nearly didn't have to do anything because someone in the cop tried their best to stop it. Oh, 
if that goal would have been disallowed. What? Right. I am. I was very surprised by today's standards that goal didn't get ruled out. I in the ground. I think because we're high up, we all saw it. Everyone celebrated the goal, and then everyone went. I wouldn't be shocked if this gets ruled out. You know, we we all saw that ball come on. But I believe the law is that it has to have a material effect on the play. Hmm. He had already taken the corner and he threw it straight back off. So I think it is fine. It, it, but the lead, your Leeds United pessimism makes you think, oh, this is definitely going to get called back. I mean, I think if it's gone too far on the pitch, I think it's optimistic as well. It, yeah. It's not as if he's run on and, th- and proper thrown it off. He's he's knocked yeah. it back with his hand very quickly. Yeah. Um, it was very quick thinking from Nanto, to be fair to him. He did it good reactions. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just surprising that they didn't deal with it better, really. Because uh, they still only sent one one player out, didn't they? Hmm. And like Harrison does do a nice step over to get inside him, but he never actually gets tight. <laughs> he has lots of space to do it. And it's a fantastic finish. I really hope that can wake him up and we can have Jackie back. Yeah. Instead of this Jack Harrison bloke. Now, Jackie Harrison is back. Um, yeah, again, just watching it now, I, th- I, I don't know who it is that sprints out at the very last minute. I don't know if it's Caicedo, but um, yeah, once he... he cuts back onto his right, there, there is a, a Brighton player sprinting out, but um, no, I just, I just thought for them, they'll be really disappointed to concede a goal like that. Yeah. But yeah, gets, uh, that gets us to 2-2. I'll be honest, this is a weird thing. Uh, I can't actually remember if this happened at 2-1 or 2-2. I think it was at 2-2. Uh, but there was a very good penalty shout on Rodrigo. Um, um, I'm going like, to say now it's not in the Sky Sports highlights. No, it's it's not in the highlights. It wasn't really mentioned that much. Like, for instance, in the ground, obviously, this was one where I'm wrong side of it. So I jumped, we all jumped up and shouted for a penalty, but there was a very little reaction from the players, and we all went, oh, we had Leeds eyes in there. But I got a message off uh, a mate of ours, little Danny, who was in the cop and was had a really good view of it. And he said, Absolute stonewall penalty. I don't know what they've seen. And then got into the pub afterwards, opened Twitter. And he just comes, he just slides across him, misses the ball and takes him out. Uh, I think it's, is it Veltman on the other side? He wins the ball. But that's, it's it's definitely a foul. And it's another one of them where I can completely see how a referee missed that. But when you have access to 25 replays of it, I'm not sure how that misses it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, being honest, I can't even remember it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the main thing I, I, I remember is in the last 10 seconds, the ball on the touchline and Willie Nonto thinking, you know what? Casual back heel, back inside to a Brighton player. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Out. You go, no, Willie, no. <laughs> the, the entire crowd's reaction was, stop fucking do that. <laughs> Not um, that. And then he walks and you're like, just, come on. Yeah. Like, well, I know we are better than this, but. We have said, haven't we, that that is one, the one side of his game. His defensive discipline isn't quite there. And 
but he's still but he's fucking he looks like being a world beater. Um I mean it's definitely a good result. Given the way that game went and on paper, both before it and watching it, I think you could argue that's a great result. It's yeah, it's a great result for us. That they are a very good team. And like you say, if we if one we don't get that bit of luck, because we absolutely do. Because mm. Danny Welbeck just can't score at Ellen Road for some reason. Yeah, I'd forgotten he missed that absolute sitter in the one all, didn't he, last season? Yeah. But, but probably would have relegated us. Um but you know it's it's great that against a team like that we 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 got the breaks and it's just really frustrating that it happened on a weekend when all the teams around us won apart from Southampton who still picked up a point. Yeah, so what was it? Because you scum bastards can't do anything right. Yeah, Southampton drew against scum. Um, Bournemouth beat Liverpool. Fucking Mo Salah taking one of the worst penalties you'll ever see. I didn't see the second half of that game. I only saw the first half before I left Fellen Road, but I can't say Bournemouth didn't deserve it. Like, Liverpool were awful. You just beat Man United 7-0. Act like it. <laughs> yeah, Um. what was it? Ever- Everton beat... Brentford, 2-0. Yeah, Brentford on the road. Not so good. No. So, yeah, a lot of results going against us. But, you know, you just have to... I suppose in that vein, so I should probably mention uh, Patrick Vieira sacking this morning. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was, there was two games last night. Brentford won 2-0 at Southampton and Brighton beat Crystal Palace 1-0. So, cheers for that one. And it was enough, yeah, to get uh, Vieira fired. Um. I am very surprised at this. I know he was under pressure and there was a lot of stories about him being under pressure. But I don't really... I'm surprised at him doing it now. I thought if they were going to do it, they'd have waited till the end of the season. And one thing that I hadn't really realised on this dreadful run of form, but from we do follow, on the podcast account, we do follow a couple of Palace fans. Have you seen who they've been playing? They've yeah. played all the team... They've basically played a load of good sides in a row and they now have their easy run of fixtures coming up. Hmm. It was. Um, I think it's just the fact that you had that run of just before the Brighton game. They had three games without a shot on target, which I think they'll be very disappointed by. Um, was it five yeah. points from thirty-three since the start of the year? Um, which has really drawn them into this because I, I dare say, if you'd have looked, probably even at the end of January, I don't think you'd have. I think you'd have been looking at Palace thinking they'll be fine. Um, yeah. But they've, they've they've got themselves into a relegation fight at this point. Yeah, played their way into trouble. The, I mean, there is now a definite split in the league. The relegation candidates and the ones that aren't. Villa in 11th, 35 points from 26. They're in the aren't category. 12th, Palace, 27 from 27. You know, we but, I mean, not just them being three points above the relegation zone. They're 12th with 27 points. They're five points above the bottom. Anyone from 12th down is very much in this relegation fight. Yeah, um, it, it does fit. It does if, we were, if, if we weren't in it, this would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that, it's that sort of thing where 
you got to look and go like if if we if your team finishes twelfth and and all season and at the start of the season you're going you know what lower mid table yeah fine and by position you'd be happy but I don't think how close to relegation that team will be would you know I think I think unless one of them really puts together a good run. You know, I, I still see it being, you know, two, three, four points between them by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, there will probably be a couple of teams going on. Like, if you if you look at Wolves, I mean, obviously we'll come on to Wolves properly soon. Wolves' points per game under Lopetegui is actually pretty good. It's like 1.4 hmm. or something. So that's still a recovery from where they were. But they are 20, another that's 27 from 27. Um, like when you're looking at the actual quality of the squad, you still look at Leicester and think they should improve. You same for West Ham, but there's so many teams down there that could be in with a shout. I mean, it's odd to see that there are like you know, there's nine teams on the relegation odds, and the biggest odds for any of them is six to one. It's not, it, I mean, there, well, there is also. There's there's nine serious teams on it. There is also Villa and Fulham, but they're like, you know, a thousand and two thousand to one. It's such a tight fight, and that's why we, we've said it before. We a load of results. You, if you can just get two wins, you just get two wins, and all of a sudden everything looks completely different. Um, there's one bit of news before we talk about the actual world game itself. Uh, Archie Gray signed a new contract. First professional terms. I, I turned 17 on Sunday. They've sorted it out straight away. Uh, so, summer 2025. I believe when you're under 18, the maximum length of contract is three years. Mm. And with it being mid season, two and a half is the maximum. Yeah. So, I would think that he will sign that. And then, if all goes to plan, he'll probably sign another one in a, in a year. Um, I thought we sell him when we go down. I just want to see him play some football. Like, I mean, he got that 45 minutes for the 21s. He would have played in the 21s on Monday, but that got called off. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was fairly quickly onto the bench for us. Um, yeah. So, you know, Grassi must be pretty happy with, with what he's seen of him so far. Um, But, yeah, nice to have him under a long-term contract now and yeah. like you say I think it'll be one of those that probably gets renewed again in a year or so yeah he'll be I would assume he'll be on the bench tomorrow uh, and has an actual chance of maybe getting some minutes because Tyler Adams has done his hamstring Um, that's super yeah out for the weekend missing the USA matches in the international break uh, they said that he was talking to a specialist and stuff but whether that's to check, you know, how severe is this? What are we going to do? Because a hamstring could be his back for the first game after the international break, or it could basically be his season. You'd, it depends how bad it is. Um, yeah, not, very, uh, not ideal. No. There is a theory that has been mooted among a lot of Leeds fans that is this would have been a bigger deal under Marsh than it is now. Because... Hmm. Um, under Marsh, he was basically his 
tear arsing around, throwing himself into everything, was the only thing holding the midfield sort of together. Under Graffier, it's a bit less of an issue. And, you know, he has given the ball away in some bad areas and things like that. And I think that there, that is, in my, I, I don't have any empirical evidence for this, but I think that is probably true. But I still think we'll miss him. I still think he gets in our best midfield too. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you're going to miss him for a game, I'd probably rather, like, obviously without saying how long he's going to be out for. I don't know how whether I'd rather have him for Wolves and missing Arsenal or or vice versa. Yeah, it's an do you do you want him in for the team that you you think you've actually got a chance of beating and go into the Arsenal game with a, a level of acceptance of they should beat us anyway. Yeah, if I was picking, I'd have him available for this and then let him miss yeah. Arsenal because we're gonna we're gonna lose to Arsenal anyway. I'm not worrying about that game. Um. Ali has just dropped a comment that uh, I was going to come on to myself. So, you know, uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing Darko Jerby get a decent amount of time on the pitch with Adams being out. I, I don't think he'll start. I think it will be McKenny and Rocker. But I mentioned to you, just like in a group chat thing when we were on about it, I really do quite fancy the idea of Jerby getting some minutes against Wolves. Um. The thing with, I mean, Wolves have got really good midfielders, but it's probably going to be like in a 4 2 3 1, Nevers and Lamina deep and Matinho at 10. You wouldn't say there's like loads of legs in that midfield and not like loads of strength either. And JB's so confident on the ball and he holds people off well. And I think he could be a real, like, I think he might actually be our best. Rocker's like the best doing it with a pass. But I think in terms of actually progressing us up the pitch, I think JB could be a really good option for this game. Like I really would not mind if if it was if it was if it was JB starting. I don't think for a second they'll do this, but I would be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I'm just having a look now. Um, Yeah, I, I, I could I could go with it to be honest. But do you? I think if you're going to do it, I think I'd probably have to team him up with McKenny, and I think you've got the dynamism. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and then there's something we I don't think we mentioned. Although I will say the... this this might be the one game where Matt Locker's lack of pace in midfield is less of an issue because it's probably yeah. going to be him and Matinho. Hmm. Matinho's a really good player, but he can't run. <laughs> the w- one thing that I, I didn't really mention from the from the Brighton game is that I thought defensively, I thought Brendan Aronson had done really well in terms of the discipline in his pressing. And I think he picked off a lot of passes. It's just when someone passes him the ball that he seems to struggle, yeah. um, which I know is a, a key element to football. I think I think a major part of whether he plays this game is how fit Rodrigo is and how fit Bamford is. Because mm. I think the first time he gets the chance to play them both, I think he's going to do it. When when Bamford came off, it looked to me as if the instructions at the start of the game were, you are going to play about an hour, run yourself yeah. into the ground. Uh, and Graffia did say after the game um, that that was like, 
a fitness related substitution because it was one of in the ground everyone was fuming when he went off because it was working and much like he took him off in Scabala took him off in a previous game in it must have been the home game against Scum. uh and everyone was like why is he taking him off and everyone went if it's a fitness thing I'll be okay with it and then he said it wasn't it was because he fancied Rutter more in that situation this one, he said, no, it was fitness. So everyone went, well, it was annoying, but okay, you've got that access to all the data and everything. We don't. Yeah, and I don't think at any point when I saw Bamford coming off, he didn't look confused by it. He didn't look, you know, he wasn't giving a look of, like, why are you bringing me off? It, 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 it looked tired. It looked like he'd, he'd put in a shift. And I know that sounds odd, considering you, you stood, you're watching him standing about a yard behind a central defender, not having to move that far. But I suppose the whole time you, you kind of a coil spring, aren't you? You're just kind of waiting to go. Uh, and I do think that takes its effect as much as running. You know, it's not as if they're just dropping deep. It's it's those small movements, those small adjustments over and over while you're sort of watching Lewis Duncan see where he goes. Yeah, like I must admit, like if Bamford was coming off at that point for me, I think I I would have been tempted to take both him and Aronson off and bring on Rutter and Rodrigo at that point. Because the shape when it when we went Rodrigo nine Aronson behind, we it well, you know it still worked fine. But I think it, with it being against Brighton, I'm okay with it being less aggressive of an attacking change. So and it worked. So that's the main thing, you know. In this situation, we are very much results-driven. If you get a result, I can't really complain. Um, Wolves are a bit of a an odd... Obviously, they have picked up under Lopetegui, as I said, but they're still not scoring any goals. Like They've scored 20 and 27. Um, like Podence has got five. Traore, two. Huang, one. And a few others have got one. Like I don't believe any of that... You know, I don't think they've had an actual out-and-out centre-forward score a goal yet. Like, Raul Jimenez hasn't got one in the league. Diego Costa hasn't got one in the league. Mateus Cunha, although he's more of a floating forward type, he hasn't scored yet either, I don't think. I think Sarabia's got one. Um, And because we look a lot more defensively, it's not so much that we look sound, we just seem to look more like we know what we're doing. I'm not particularly, like... It, there's a lot of games where we go into it thinking we might concede three, and this isn't one of them. It's, no, just, like whether, it's just whether we can attack so, something like. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the obvious issues when you look at like a Dama Traore and opponents. They're decent players. Traore is yeah. lightning fast. And as much as Furpo's improved, Traore versus Furpo is still scary. Yeah. Well, a fair play for Poe because the you know he, he had another 90th, he had another solid game, another decent game. Waited till the ninetieth minute to to get his his yellow card, and it, it has to be said that it was a tack, it was a tackle of a very tired left back. Yeah, um, and I'm, get them getting a free kick in that situation that late on. If in my head the odds of them scoring from that were about one to five, like <laughs> it was going in. There was no doubt about it. Um. But yeah, I mean, at the other end of things, like Craig Dawson, decent player, but getting he's, on. He's, he's he's such a solid signing though. When you down bottom at league, oh, I paid thought, about, I they paid was... about a million quid for him as well. Like, 
It's one of those things when you're in West Ham's position, it seemed a very odd time to let him go because they struggled for a defensive partnership all season. And to have someone as experienced as him there, even though he might not be your, you know, your first or second choice, you'd you take losing him on a free at the end of the season. But it's, yeah, it seemed I, a really, a really odd decision to sell him to a, a relegation rival. Yeah, I think it was a very pragmatic signing that for Wolves. To be honest, have the price prepared for him. I'd have had him, mm. especially once we know Juventus were going, so we could have done with an extra right centre back till the end of the season. It's not; it wouldn't have been high up on my list of who I really wanted to sign. But once I heard it was a like a million million and a half quid, I was like, ah, no, nah, that's solid. That's really solid. Um, Jose Saringol is a good keeper. Should have given away a penalty at Ellen Road, but was hopefully maybe we'll get that one back this week. Um, Samedo likes to get forward from right back, and Harrison scored his goal and got an assist despite having like sixty bad minutes in between. Um, so like, but because he's defensively disciplined and stuff, and will chase back with Samedo, you would think that Harrison stays in to chase him. Um, left back. Preview's got it being that Johnny Otto, but if I was them against Ailing and do you think it will be some of the Do you think some of the drops out for Nanto? I could see this one this being the yeah, one. Yeah, I don't I don't think some of the had much of a game last time out. No, and I think in this, especially in a game where Luke Ailing was was clearly struggling, I think he needed more support and it's like this is this is a really minor thing to pick up on, but there was there was a, a moment where Brighton had got it out to the left back. A stupid man. And yeah, stupid man. And then Somerville is behind him, but instead of sprinting to where he's going to go in a straight line, he loops his run to follow the defender. Yeah. You're like, no, just just straight line, mate. Straight <laughs> line. You're not covering a passing lane here. You yeah. just need to get there. Like um, just, it seemed an odd one, but you know that's that's very nitpicky. But yeah, after, after the game Ailing had, and I, and I don't think it will be as difficult for him this week. But Pedence is still a decent player. Um, Pedence is good, and also what the thing I was going to say that if I was Wolves, I would pick Ray and Ignori because he mm. bombs on and he's skillful. He offers a lot more going forward. And I think if he goes up against an Ailing and Somerville side, or even an Ailing and Harrison side, if Nonto's on the left, I just think he gives them a lot more options. So I think 8 0 he'll probably start. Which I suppose, depending on fitness and and how Gratia sees him, you know, is this a game you move Aronson out to the right? I was just about to say the exact same thing. I could see that. I could see it being Harrison left, Aronson right, and either Nonto through the middle with Bamford, or maybe even Rodrigo through the middle with Bamford, if they're fit enough. I'd, quite, I'd be very interested to see, in this system, and, and Nonto through the middle, because while, while you, you you do have to press, there's less of it, and you want, you also then don't have to do the tracking. There's been a lot of games where Aronson's played that role, and he has basically played up front. Mm. Like he's dropped off the front, but he has almost been up there. So I, I could see us doing that, and I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Um, obviously, who it is depends on fitness. I would love to see Rodrigo there again, just because Rodrigo and Bamford do. Le- they've shown flashes of linking up really well, but they've 
barely played together. <laughs> barely played together for nearly two years. Every time they actually played together, and I don't mean Rodrigo playing as a centre, like as an eight, hmm. which we saw before. And when they actually played together forward, I just feel like, oh, that really could work. Um, obviously, we've mentioned their midfield, probably Lamina and Neves with Matinho ahead of them. Not much pace, but a lot of quality. And are we assuming McKenny and Rocker for our two? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think it gives you that, that diversity in your midfield. You've got someone who's probably not quite as good as Adams at um, at the defensive side of things, but McKenny's got the athleticism to co- cover a lot of ground. He does like a tackle. Um, uh, the other thing that I think McKenny might be useful for, they've got a lot of targets at set pieces to Wolves and defensive set pieces. McKenny's really good in the air. Mm. And that, I, I think that throughout the season, that might become more and more that. That might be the thing that makes McKenny stay in the side a lot. Just, he's a threat in both boxes from set pieces. Whenever I look at him, I do think he's he must be one of the bigger footballers in terms of a body frame. Like, a, a lot of footballers these days are on the slighter side. And I don't mean to the Brendan Aronson extreme of slight, but he's he's a unit is is McKenny every time I see yeah. him. But yeah, I think I think they'll I think they'll definitely start, but I could see I could see JB getting on at some point in that. Whether that's to push McKenny a bit further forward and someone else go off or not. JB and, and Gray. Yeah. And um back five stays the same. Um yeah, I believe I believe Strauch and Cooper are both fully fit and available for this game. But I still, no, I still I mean, think it'll it'll be the same. I mean, do do you have any faith in Rasmus Christensen to come in to improve this team? Uh, Luke Ealing got absolutely rinsed by Matoma, but I think Rasmus Christensen would have got just as rinsed by Matoma. Yeah. The the um, actual the actual one who are the different option who maybe could have done something is on loan at Luton at the minute. And has the uh, he has something like the second most progressive passes since he joined I, I, them or something. I believe like that. I saw I saw something. I think it was he has the second most chances created in the championship since. Look, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. we should have thought about playing him this season. Well. Well, we'll do it again next season. We'll go. This is the year he's going to break through. And if we if we go down, we actually probably will do that. But if we stay up, we'll we'll talk like we're going to do that and then not do it because that's what always happens. Um, yeah. Uh, this is look like you're away. If you're away at a team that is around you, you can't go into. It's not like we can say we're favourites for this or anything. But it is very much a winnable game. Uh, it's it's a horrible game, isn't it, really? Because it is two teams who, who both desperately need a win. Um, like, I know Wolves are a bit further ahead than us, but it's, it's, it's another tense game, isn't it? I don't know. All games at this point for us are going to be quite tense, but this is... This is going to be a nightmare one. This because because if you if you lose, then oh. yeah. I put it this way: a little peek into our private lives here. Uh, we're at a gig in the evening, um, and it's going to be quite a long one. 
and obviously we're going to be the drinking will start early because of when Leeds play. So as we're watching the game together, Casey, I could do with you mentioning to me to like put a coke in between my pints, maybe during yeah. this game. Because when I get nervous, it doesn't matter what's in front of me, whether it's a drink or some food or something. If I'm nervy, it'll just keep going. And before I know it, I'll have had six pints. It'll be half past four. Yeah. And when I'm going to be out all night, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, just looking at the at the table now, if we win, we go a point behind Wolves, who are yeah. 13th. If they win, yeah, they, go, they go to 30 points. It's, it's so tight that... And especially with us, because it's this is the last one before the internationals. I didn't bother adding it to the news. Loads of people have been called up, but it's all the people you'd expect. Uh, interesting ones are probably Charlie Cresswell's in the England under 21 squad. He's 24. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be if we could get a result going into the international break, that could be absolutely fucking huge. And, it'd be, and like I said, it'd be, I think it's a good time for, for Gratia to get some time with the players outside of games. Because um, a lot of those players that are, that are starting games aren't going away. Yeah. Like, I know we've got a few going, but there's well, a good Robbie chunk Cock of them missed still... out. So, of the actual team, I haven't actually seen France's under 21 squad. If they have a game, Melier will be in it. Uh, but Cock isn't going. Verbal is. He's going with Austria. McKenney's going. Aronson's going. Nanto? Uh, uh, I haven't seen that, but Mancini was talking about him, so I'm assuming he will. He either will or already has been called up by Italy. Cooper's going with Scotland. He's not starting there. But he isn't really starting anywhere. But there'll be enough players there to do yeah. some good tactical work. I suppose my one last question before we get into prediction stuff. Is this must win or is it like must not lose? It really depends on the result, on how the results go around us, I suppose. Yeah. Like, I um, suppose that starts tonight, doesn't it? Because Nottingham Forest play Newcastle in, at eight o'clock. So you just. If the teams around us draw or don't pick up points, then a point is fine. But. If Leicester and West Ham get points, then it, then all of a sudden it's not a good result, and it's 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 so weird like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, like you say, it's it's very it is very much at least can't lose. Yeah, I I think that you know last year, although it ended up getting incredibly tight and we stayed up on the final day. Us winning at Molyneux with that game was the day that I thought, no, we're going to stay up. And I then did obviously think it got worse again and I thought, fuck, we're not going to. But that result was so massive and I think it could be that again. And... And I, I think we're going to win. I just fancy us tomorrow, and it's so rare that I do. So I'm, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying a two-one win. It's, it is a winnable game, and I'm just I'm, looking I'm, at I'm, their, I'm just looking at their team on paper, and I'm not scared of it. I know we're coming off the back of scoring twice against Brighton, but 
Um, I still don't know where our goals are going to come from exactly, but mm. um, like you say, it, it'd be godsend if we can have Bamford and Rodrigo on the pitch for any amount of time. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know why, but I am. I'm going for a two-one win. I'm going to go one-nil win. Both of us going for a win. I'd say it's dangerous, but the last time we did that was the Southampton game when we did. And as for my bet, I have just spied one that I think isn't bad. Cock and Rocker, two or more fouls. Uh, where's the... Just noting it down before I forget. Yeah, Cock and Rocker, two or more fouls is uh, 13 to 2. Uh... I've got Raul Jimenez to have one or more headed shot on uh, shots on target, and that's three to one. Jimenez header on target, three to one. Yeah, um, I mean, just I mean, we really do. We at least need to not lose this game, but I think a win could prove to be huge. If we could go into this, if we could go into the international break. And we've crept up to like 15th or something. You'd just feel you would just feel so much better about everything. And then you've got tight because I don't want us to be still in there going to Arsenal. Yeah. Because I've pretty much written that off. That Arsenal game. I mean, we can't, we would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go this far, but there's part of me wants to go, no, just like rest seven players because we've got Forrest on the Tuesday night at home. <laughs> you know, it's just like fuck it, get me. <laughs> um, but it's it, this is going to be a massive game, and I'm going to be very, very, very nervous. Yeah, we just. Like I say I'd, I back us because having seen how we've played the last few weeks under under Grathia, I'd we were definitely better. We are definitely better than we were. Mm. It's just a case of. Nothing stupid. And against a team like this, if you don't do anything stupid, you should keep a clean sheet. Yeah, if you don't do what's stupid, you're not likely to concede more than one. However, mm. Leeds always find a way to concede at least two. Yeah. Well, uh, to, be, yeah. To, be, to be fair, under Graffy, we, we've dropped from the monumental amount of goals we were shipping. We're down, it's a, a short sample size, but it is down to one a game. God, is that what we're at? Massive progress. Before we've, we've, chips we've slashed it in half, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, that is one of the things we were saying, wasn't it? If we can get our average goals conceded down from two to one and a half, we'll probably stay up. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's done so. Although he has also taken away quite a lot of our goal threat at the same time. Yeah. Right. Um, have we all else to go through, mate? No, I think we're good. Nice one. Well, that'll do us then for episode 206 at Mighty White's podcast. God, we've, if we win this, the next one is going to be very cheerful. But I've been Jack, see ya. I'm in KC, have a good one. In a bit. <laughs>